Welcome to season two of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Eads, leadership and life coach by day, comedian and writer by night. I'm on a mission to have 100 million witty and wise conversations that disrupt the way that we can communicate with each other. No more welcome to my TED Talks and Dear Abby advice friends. It's time to start having powerful conversations that create space for infinite possibility. There are four components to a witty and wise conversation. These uh, rules are in, uh, that I will read are inspired by the Coactive Training Institute. Rule number one today, nobody gets to be wrong. Rule number two, nobody gets to be right. Rule number three, everybody gets to be vulnerable. And my favorite, rule number four, everything is included. If your cell phone rings, if a dog barks, it's going to be in the podcast. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here, you will be heard. There is space for you. Conversation is meant to be a dance, an ebb and flow, a back and forth exchange of energies, thoughts and emotions. The wit we bring to this conversation releases an endorphin known as the painkiller. You actually feel better when you laugh. The wisdom we bring to the conversation will be seen in the impact this, it has on everyone who hears it. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask you, our listeners, and our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. If you haven't, you don't want to miss them. So stay tuned to the end, and if you haven't yet left us a review on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or over at our YouTube channel, Outstanding Women Leaders, please do so. But enough about me. Welcome today, Sandra Lintz. Sandra has journeyed a long way to where she is now, living a peacefully centered life, but she did not always have one. Diagnosed with clinical depression as a teenager, she suffered from panic attacks and anxiety and was later diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Despite all the labels, tears, and struggling for decades, Sandra never lost hope. Hope that one day her hectic life would level out, her troubled mind would find peace, and her broken heart would finally find comfort. Sandra explored so many methods and finally found the key that helped her achieve resiliency and the ability to bounce back with agility over and over again. After struggling for decades, she is now in a place of strength instead of shame, resilience instead of weakness, and peace of mind rather than chaos. How did Sandra turn her up and down yo-yo-like life around? It's science, neuroscience to be exact. With an understanding of how the brain works and how to apply neuroscience-based strategies, Sandra transformed how she acts and reacts, how she plans and dreams. Sandra credits the understanding and application of neuroscience to her increased personal success, improved relationships, and most importantly, increased peace of mind. At the age of 54, Sandra felt fully alive in her mind, body, and soul for the first time in her life. Her experience of life is now revitalized. She owns the resiliency to weather any storm. After 34 years of working in the federal government, Sandra has transitioned into coaching to help women move from messed up inside to coming alive and thriving in their personal and professional lives. We, uh, Sandra, welcome. I am just moved reading your bio and 
just remind me of our the time we talked and hearing your story. You're an incredible, incredible woman. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. I have a lot of gratitude that you have invited me. Thank you. Wow. So I met Sandra via LinkedIn, um, and Sandra is a part of the neuroscience program at OptiMind Institute that I am in as well. And she's also gone on her own journey. And so let's start with talking about your journey and how you, because it's incredible, and how you've decided even that no matter what age you are, that there is still hope that your life can be everything you want it to be. Right. It's... There aren't any limitations. And as long as you hold on to hope, hope is the key that keeps seeking no matter what. The struggles can be hard, but as long as we keep looking, eventually there's, uh, the hope will bring to fruition some results. Just keep looking. You know, when I was a kid, my mom used to say, hope in one hand, shit in the other. See which one fills up fastest. Um, I wish she was here today to hear <laughs> um, you talk about hope because I think it's hard to hang on to that when... Yes, the shit gets pretty heavy. The shit does get heavy. You're absolutely correct. And you've been, you carried some shit for a long time. Uh, share with uh, me a little bit about what it's like to be diagnosed with depression as a teenager and what that's like trying to navigate life. Um, for people listening, if you go to her LinkedIn page, you will see this woman has crushed her personal, professional career. Um, that has not held you back one bit. Um, but what is that like growing up? Oh, just uh, the despairing feelings. It, it made it very difficult to have friends. Uh, it's, it's very isolating, very dark. Uh, so much into myself that you know I did find some pleasure and fulfillment in artistic things or um, studies. I, I buried myself in my studies because it, it was the only structure and then I found that carried me through into my adult life with my work. I would bury myself in my work, probably a workaholic type. With the structure of that, when you're dealing with a roller coaster of emotions, something that's structured such as school, studies, college, or work, is a framework that gets you through. At least it did work for me. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say the structure and framework, because when we think about neuroscience, there's some structure and framework that you give your, your mind. I'd love to hear more about your journey with how you brought that same structure that you thrived in and work to your brain. Well, it happened in two phases. Uh, when I was 54, I signed up for a neuroscience coaching class because I didn't know of a coach that, or a therapist that would teach me neuroscience. And then it, it was so practical and we coached each other, the students in this class, we coached each other and it had such practical day-to-day -day type tools that um, it strengthened the mind because the emotions 
are controlled by thoughts. And so you can create an emotion by changing your thinking. And as you do this more and more, the weight, see, you, you put out two hands, the shit hand, right? Well, that shit hand starts lightening up. It really does because new neural pathways are developed and tips the scale. So that, yeah, right away over, it, the answers aren't instant, but over time, as those neural pathways go towards the positive, it outweighs the negative. And even if you hit bumps in the road and a lot of shit hits the fan, you can go back to it. That's where I call resiliency and the bounce backing because yeah, life's not perfect. And uh, just things are hard some days still, but with that balance, to, with the neuroscience, I know how to go back to tip the scales. Yeah. That resiliency and the bouncing back is something I took for granted. I didn't realize. People kept telling me this as I got divorced, as I was bouncing back from other things. Like, you're really resilient. You're really resourceful. Um, I didn't think I was up here. It's interesting. You talk about throwing yourself into work. Uh, that's what I did. And I think on the outside, right, on a link, my LinkedIn page, I might look pretty resilient. And, and that's what I yeah. see on your page, right? It's just a resilient life. You, um, but not necessarily within yourself. What's, I, I identify with that, but I'm, what's your experience with that? Like what's happening up here in your head when you are not coming from a resilient place where you're not controlling your thoughts? Right. That's the time when the emotions kind of get out of control. And yeah, emotions are signals. Mm. That, and they tell us what's going on but they don't have to control us or our reaction to a situation. So there's times where I get in a spiral of the emotions and it, it, they're healthy. We recognize them and uh, just, but I don't stay in them. How do you say that? How, it's amazing when you can experience it. So I, say I do have uh, the rug gets pulled out from me and I feel depressed. It takes time, but I realize I have a choice and I don't like feeling depressed. I, I much prefer the hope. and. And I realized that I can um, either do meditation or reframe, switch gears. There's all kinds of tools available and you just find the one for the situation and uh, it can get you through. Like for instance, if, if say you're stuck doing something very mundane and routine or even if it's working out in the gym, for instance, where I 
found this tool useful was I, I walk the dog and there's this monster hill. And uh, especially there's times when I don't feel so strong to make it up that hill. So there's a tool that shifts our focus to the right now. And you just say, just this with every step. And I found as I was going just this, each step, it became easier and lighter to walk physically up a tough hill. Because how much of it is emotional and mental versus um, an attitude? Yeah, you know, and, and when I owned a CrossFit gym, we talked a lot about how your mind will give up much sooner than your body, that your body will have way further than it can po possibly go in this workout. And that happened in my mind. I will say that for me, CrossFit was probably the, it was the catalyst for the neural pathways because the endorphins that happen when you work out um looking at the workout after you've done it right i imagine you i picture you like standing at the top of the hill and just feeling like really empowered that you did that thing mm -hmm. that was such a huge shift for my brain i heard you talk a lot about being empowered to say i'm going to meditate on this i'm going to reframe i don't have to stay here um hope empowers people Hope can really help you push through. And I know that you've experienced that a lot with the various things you've had and like what you've ex observed with people in your gym, in the CrossFit. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's powerful to see um, people become empowered. It's probably my favorite thing. It's why I was a teacher. It was not to oh. give people a bunch of information. I taught high school kids for seven years. Um, it was to empower them. You're at high school juniors uh, living on the south side of Chicago, north side of Chicago. I taught in both. There's not a lot to feel empowered by sometimes when you're a kid. Um, and as you know, the teenage brain, the prefrontal cortex is still developing uh, well into your 20s and for men till 30. And <laughs> men always, yeah. women always love to hear that, right? Um, it's like we know it's true, but we still fight it. But it's amazing to watch. We call it the aha moment in teaching. But it's empowerment. It's it's. I taught history, so my empowerment for you was to decide what did you think happened here and to write about it. And sure, I never, I didn't care about if you memorized dates, etc. Those things will always be there. It's called Wikipedia. But your opinions, the way that you think about things, your ability to come from a place of choice and decide how you want to interpret an event, that is not something I want you to find on Wikipedia. Um, so you enter phase one and you're in these neuro coaching classes and you're, I love that you said emotions, um, controlled by thoughts and how emotions are signals. What were your emotions signaling for you? Hmm. I think initially 
before I learned the things that turned around my life with the neuroscience tools, my emotions were um, just disturbed by not feeling good about myself, my self-esteem or, or there was no joy or pleasure or challenge, just dis despair. And I don't know exactly where it came from, but I knew there was more to life and that other people were happy. Other people were fulfilled and had energy. And I was dull and just, and I don't mean boring dull. I was just feeling my experience of life was not rich. So I use the word dull. <laughs> and um, so then I wasn't motivated because why go do anything if it doesn't bring you joy or something positive? What's the reward? So um, I did a lot of churning this around for, I'd say, decades. And uh, yeah, here and there, there were glimmers enough to keep me going because I'm not somebody to give up. Somehow, somewhere, I, well, I think everybody has a will to survive. Mm -hmm. Even the most depressed person, if you put them in a life and death situation, they will choose that they want to live in most circumstances. And I mean, I've been there. I, I've been uh, so depressed that that I thought life wasn't worth living. I, I reached, I reached out to friends in that moment. I've been there too. And so friends are really important, the community of people that support you when you're feeling down. Mm -hmm. um, the, just keep reaching out somehow, whether it's learning or reaching out to friends, um, therapists, hang on to hope. Yeah, hang on to hope, I love that. Uh, when I think about, I'm writing that down, sorry. When I think about emotions as signals for myself, what I realized, and I didn't have the words to put on what these emotions meant, because our brains are not designed to process our emotions as much as our body is. And when I really started to look at emotions as signals for me, I realized I'm not living in my values. I have been choosing things that are not in aligned with values and values meaning not, you know, integrity and honesty and trust, but really like the essence of who I am, my core values of freedom and flexibility and creativity. Whenever I, when I think back about the times in my life where I felt that fulfilled, I'm up here, and then I would always do this. We talked about this in our first call, right? How you're up and down and up and down. Why can't I stay up? I think those emotions for me were signaling that something is not in align with your values. And you don't know what that is yet because you've never sat down and done work with, with what your values are. Because we don't do that. Uh, as teachers, we, I, we were not supposed to sit down with kids and figure out 
what their values are and who they are and what their passions are. And mm-hmm. my body physically, like I was, I think I had, um, I've had gut issues on and off throughout my twenties, thirties. Uh, my last job, I realized this is not okay. The emotions I'm feeling, the stress, I was able to talk my head out of it. So you talk about that part of coming from a place of choice. So I was able to come from a place of choice and choose not to be negative and choose to be grateful and choose these emotions that you talked about, but they were still signaling my body. And so although my brain maybe felt okay, my body was like, we're not, we're not all right. We're going to have diarrhea every day for three months. Like we're not okay. Uh, I'm curious for you. Do you feel, yeah, like TMI for people listening, but did you feel any signals within your body that said, good? (laughs) Oh, definitely. A tight throat, Mm -hmm. tenseness throughout my shoulders and my back. Um, Lots of headaches. Just uh, low energy. Yeah, well, it's a lot, as you know, it's a lot of effort in your brain. (laughs) If you're spending your 20% of your energy that your brain uses, if you're spending all that energy on thinking about your emotions, um, or even managing them in the beginning, right? Managing emotions is a lot. Right. And when you don't have the tools. Yeah. Don't even have the language sometimes. Yeah. And it's very disempowering. We talked a little bit about labels before we chatted. Um, and labels can be incredibly empowering and they can be incredibly disempowering. When you label something as a diet, well, here's your diagnosis. Are you excited you have bipolar? Well, no. <laughs> that doesn't sound empowering. That sounds like, well, this is just how your life is going to be. This is, quote, as good as it gets. Um, and so you talk about resiliency, but man, you were resilient and empowered enough to say, it's gotta be better (laughs) that this can't be the end. So after you took your, your phase one of neuroscience coaching classes, what was your result at the end for you personally? Personally, I left the house, was riding in the car and just was enveloped with appreciation and seeing all this beauty of nature and feeling alive. I felt a zest, like, man, I want to go for it. I want to live now. I had, how do I even describe it, but that when, when you go from something so dark to something bright, and then you're able to stay there most of the time, uh, it's life-changing. It feels like a dream. <laughs> yeah, I, it does. It. it does. It feels like, when's the shoe going to drop <laughs> initially, right? It, um yeah. So what's phase two for you? Sorry, I, I over. Oh, oh, no, I was just going to say over time, I lost the feeling that that the shoe was going to drop mm-hmm. because yeah. the neuroscience that I learned gave me a home base. 
And I call that peace of mind. That I have this home base and uh, the shoe's not going to drop anymore because this is what will lift me out whenever the rug does get pulled out from under me. Mm. The tools that I learned, the pieces of, it's just so sustainable because of that home base that you can go back to. That's the tipping of the scale. Yeah, sure, the shit gets really <laughs> heavy, but you can always tip the scale back. Yeah. And that's how the brain, how you can use your brain and your thoughts and turning things around. Like, for instance, I had a supervisor that was really intense and boy, I was intense. So the two of us, uh, it, it really was burdensome. And every time we'd have an interaction, I would get so stressed out, so much anxiety. I would have panic attacks. And um, I would have anxiety every time I'd get an email or a phone call, especially phone calls. They were very rare. But even just emails from him. And... Uh, Then I learned, well, why am I approaching it? Even before I opened the email, why do I approach this with such fear? And it, it's, I learned that this other tool called benefit of the doubt and give the situation the benefit of the doubt to start with. Because you don't know there's potential there. It could be good, even if it is bad. Can it be turned around? Can you rise above it? Why let the anxiety win even before you know what's there? So by giving it the benefit of the doubt, I turned that around. It, and it's applicable in so many situations. Yeah. And it's a folk, it's a, re, it's a reframing tool, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, that's what I love about neuroscience when you say like it's applicable to any situation because this is something that as you're coaching people, professional life gets better, personal life gets better, relationships, health, like there's a ripple effect that you can start to see for people and, and then that creates more of that opportunity. Yeah, I, I very much identify with the email and the anxiety and not wanting to open it. Um, and the reframe of, well, what's here to create from? What's here to create with? Um, when we think about like meditation, the Tao, um, the dualities of life, it's not good, it's not bad, it just is. Um, some things are really good, some things seem really bad, but to be able to bring yourself to that place of it just is, and what will I do with it to create something that's good? Which sounds very Pollyanna, by the way, when you're a 37-year-old woman explaining to someone two weeks after Corona has descended upon the world. <laughs> it sounds, I've literally, if I had a penny for every white man that told me I sounded a little Pollyanna today, um, you could invest in some stocks together. Yeah, it does give that impression, but the science behind it, the actual studies, 
that's there. So yeah, from the outside, hearing this stuff does sound Pollyanna, too good to be true. It's not easy. It takes time to develop the new neural pathways, the new habits, to learn how, the how part of it. So it's not instant, I guess I want to say. So sure, um, I guess to anybody who thinks, oh, this is Pollyanna or woo-woo bullshit, to, you know, it's a road. And there's a lot to it, but it's a road worth going down. Yes. And the, the, the alternative. Beauty, yeah. The beauty of this road for people listening is that you, if you go on the road for 45 minutes, with a trained coach, you will realize that whatever road that you were on before <laughs> had some blind spots, <laughs> right? And every road, when we talk about Pollyanna, like that's your blind spot when people see that. Neuroscience allows you to see your own blind spots. I call I it bet. the 360 view. That's insightful. So, yeah. I, so phase one is going through your own personal transformation is what I've heard. And so what's phase two for you? Well, so I've been building upon this what I, for five years and I've maintained. Uh, yeah, I've slipped up. It's hard, but I've never dropped so low that I couldn't bounce back. And I think that's inspired me enough to um, not only keep going, but want to share it. Uh, why keep this to myself? And I wish somebody would have shared it with me decades ago. Look how much life is behind me. But what looks, what's ahead sure looks a zillion times better. So I would like to help reduce the learning curve for some people. Yeah. There is hope. And if we can learn this through whatever coaching or therapy, let's keep the hope and keep on this road, no matter the bumps, no matter the blind spots, Just be resilient and keep, keep learning and keep growing. Yeah, I love that. The five years and never dropping is, I talk about that with my weight loss and that was a neuroscience piece as well. You, um, you can't, if life continues to throw you shit, <laughs> as we talked about, um, and you're able to maintain, and when you talk about your dips but never dropping, for me, that's, I have a very physical one that you can see. Yes, there are times where I dropped, where I was 10 pounds heavier, um, but 10 pounds is not 60 pounds, and uh, 10 pounds was not eating cake and processed food and all of this stuff that I didn't want to eat, right? Um, there's something that happens that permanently changes in your brain when you apply these tools. And I didn't know about neuroscience. What I knew was 
um, I was getting, I was getting all of the things that were not in my life met through a gym. I had a social experience. I had friends I didn't have before. I didn't want to go to the gym to work out. I wanted to go to the gym to see my friends. Yeah. So going to a coaching class, getting it, hiring a coach people, like it gives you that additional motivation to want to do something. And then when I went out with these new friends, well, my judgment saboteur sat on my shoulder and said, don't eat that thing. These, your friends are skinny. You're the fat one in the group. Don't eat that. And I spent a lot of unnecessary time at a party, not talking to people. I mean, I was talking to people, but not being as present because I was thinking about the cupcakes <laughs> and how I really wanted to eat one. And I, and that was such a, such a transformation for me to, I don't go to parties anymore and, and think about whether or not I'm going to eat the cupcake. I either eat the damn cupcake or I don't, but I'm not going to uh-huh. have I'm not having a conversation in my head about whether or not I'm eating it. I'm coming. And what I love about neuroscience and and understanding what's happening in your brain is that I'm coming from a place of choice. I feel empowered to say, I'm going to honor my value today and I'm not going to eat this. or I'm going to honor my value when I am because my value is flexibility. (laughs) And my value is freedom, (laughs) right? Um, and it's funny when I think about the diet, even that I chose, uh, it was about eating really healthy foods. It wasn't about measuring. It wasn't about, cause I wanted to honor my value of freedom and flexibility. So when I talk to people about coaching, it's when we go back to that emotion you talked about of feeling these emotions and they control your thoughts. I, although the weight loss happened for me. I was still very much up here trying to manage and figure out all these things versus just going to my body and saying, are you hungry right now, stomach? <laughs> like, do you need something nourishing? It's, it's so interesting knowing the science behind what happened to me then. That's, yeah, I, so now, and that's the um, new neural pathways that it took time to build. Mm-hmm. And now you can be that flexible. I mean, at first, maybe it did take being strict. Yep. Yeah. And it took some head work. It took some time being in my head uh, before I got the tools to be able to get out of there. And even when I... Five years in, I still, and I was coaching people, I would still talk about, I was very honest, like, you know, I went to a party last night and I really wanted to have this cupcake. Um, But I wanted to be in integrity with myself because I'm coaching you people to say no. So I said no. And then that was it. It wasn't like a 35 minute conversation in my head. It was like a one and done where I made this intentional choice. I rode that narrow pathway all the way to the promised land, which is what we're looking for for people. Like even the COVID, it brings up so much shit, bumps in the road, disappointment, grief, lots of emotions. And I find sometimes the isolation or the inability, the freedom, the loss of freedom. You have to think about keeping your distance, not touching people, not breathing 
on them or them on us um, wearing masks. Um, it's, it, it is those challenges too that, I mean, coming from where I come from, that could have been so devastating. And it is sometimes so briefly. It is, I call it, um, yeah, I feel really down sometimes. But instead of feeling down for a whole day or several days, it might be 20 minutes. And I can reframe it. I, I can acknowledge it, first of all. Yeah, this feels awful. Acknowledging is so important. I think we are kind of trained to ignore the emotion and push it aside. Uh, I don't know what it's like working for the federal government. I mean, I know a little bit, I guess. I worked in schools. <laughs> but emotions are not invited to the office. Um, there's something you're supposed to throw away. Acknowledging is really powerful to say, I'm sad right now. Why am I sad? What's, what's there? 20 minutes is, a is not very long to feel sad. That's pretty impressive. Well, it depends <laughs> on what right. it yeah. is. But. Yeah, I just went through a move, um, which is the second most stressful thing I'm told that you can do outside of losing a spouse. And I've watched my dad grieve losing his spouse for the last couple of years. I can say that um, my ability to control emotions or thoughts was definitely severely limited um, as the shit got higher, right? As the stress piled up. But it doesn't look like it did before, you know? Um, moving in with a partner, it's funny. Like we, we definitely use humor to laugh at things. Oh. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. I think for me, 24 hours to, to, to come from a place where my amygdala brain was definitely answering some questions. <laughs> my amygdala was definitely running the show a little bit. Um, but it, 20 minutes a day or two is not a month. It's not several weeks. It's not a weekend. Right. And that amygdala that brings out what insecurities, fear, Fear. My, I mean, I'm divorced. So for me, all the memories, the fears of, well, you met this person right before COVID. Is this really a good idea? Why do, are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> um, we're completely not real, by the way. <laughs> no. um, that was all manufactured. And as you, I go back to what you said originally about emotions being signals, um, I'm just signaling those neural pathways that we just built. So like, hey, <laughs> kick in, I need you neural pathways. And it didn't take very long for them to show up. Uh, I've been in this place now for eight days and I think we're doing all right. <laughs> Something to celebrate. Something to celebrate. I love that. Um, when we first hopped on, right before we hopped on this podcast today, we sat, I would love for you to bring this to our audience as we, um, close. You gave me an option to choose from some emotions. I'll have you do that again for our audience and walk us through it because 
for those of you sitting there saying, well, this is really Pollyanna of you. Um, you can decide to choose an emotion and experience an emotion, just like you can decide to relive a trauma, to feel fearful. Uh, and we don't realize that. And the moment we do, the people that understand that are far more powerful than people that don't. So if you want to learn more about Sandy and her um, incredible gift that she's really offering the world is she wants to help women, women, right, overcome this sort of place of being stuck, um, living that life, feeling fully alive for the first time. You can check out her website. Your website is Peaceful Mindset Coaching. PeacefulMindsetCoaching.com. It's that peaceful mindset that we want to come from. It gives us strength to face and resiliency. Absolutely. So Sandra, walk us through um, the emotions that we get to choose from today. Okay. So I usually give the option of these four emotions. Select either peace, gratitude, love, or joy. You are so. peace. And so I'm going to choose peace for our audience because you absolutely are a peace of mind coach. Um, so let's choose peace as we close today. Okay, so peace, picture what brings you peace, a vision, an experience, a place, and go there in your mind until you feel the emotion of peace. It's more than emotion, it's, it's just a sense of well-being that peace gives. So you go there in your mind, and when you feel peace, acknowledge out loud that you're there. I am there. And I am there. And it is someplace you practice, you can go there pretty quickly. As you sit here in this place of peace, I have three questions for you. Question one, what is your superpower? Hmm. I'd say um, translating neuroscience, which seems dry and technical into practical things you can use every day. What's your purpose? Well, give, I would like to see everyone have this core peace of mind. Because when you have that, you have peace of mind that even when the shit gets heavy, you can get it back. It's always there. And it's what allows you to bounce back with resiliency. Gives you constant hope. Because you can fall, what they say, fall off the wagon. But you just know inside with this peace of mind that you'll come back. And 
actually can get even better. As you sit here in your peaceful place with your superpower of translating neuroscience into practical uses on your purpose of helping people create a core peace of mind, what's next? What gives me like life is connection, the spark. And so what's next, I, every interaction, whether it's somebody at the grocery store, I want to have a conversation where I connect because That spark when two people connect keeps the motivation of life, keeps the energy of life and the love of life alive. So connection. I love that. I hope that we're able to continue to connect. I would love to have you join me for a witty and wise in relationships conversation. We have I have them the last Wednesday of the month. There's a great group of um, women that came to the last one we're hoping to expand on it and you bring so much wisdom so i'd love for you to join uh if you're interested in having your own witty and wise conversation for those of you who are listening you can also join us the last wednesday of the month in a witty and wise in relationships conversation and uh, you can also schedule a complimentary session with me at owlprofessionalcoaching.com and of course don't forget to check out sandy's website peacefulmindsetcoaching.com. If you are looking to get that peace of mind, work with an incredible woman, by the way. I, Sandy's very humble. <laughs> She's incredible. Uh, check out her website. Check out her LinkedIn. She has not bragged on herself, but she should. Um, and of course, you can follow me on Instagram at Owl, on, uh, Owl Professional Coaching or on Outstanding Women Leaders. Leave us a review if you liked what you heard here today. Um, Sandy, I am so excited for all of the possibilities of what's next for you. You have such a gift to share with the world. And coaches, a lot of people will go on a journey and transform. But people like you, coaches that want to make a difference, want to help give these tools away. You know, you're the teachers of the world, the coaches of the world uh, that can really make a difference. So if you're listening today and you've made it to the end of this episode, yeah. you've heard the three um, questions I always ask. My question for the audience today that I've never done, but I'm going to just throw it out there is what are you waiting for? Uh, what are you waiting for if you're listening to this right now? Sandy waited 50 plus years. It's never too late. And she has a gift. So coaches have gifts. We want to share. We want to open up the world for you. We want to give you some education with neuroscience. So you're an educator. Um, and su support along the way. Thank you so much, Sandy. Um, last words that you'd love to leave our audience with today. Oh, I just uh, found a new quote that I'm in love with from Maya Angelou. Hope and fear cannot occupy the same space. Invite one to stay. Mm, I love that. Hope and fear cannot be in the same place. 
invite one to stay. And I'm just going to add on top of that my other favorite Maya Angelou quote, which is when you know better, you do better. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Katie. Love being with you and your the connection, the interaction, lots of sparks. Thank you.